You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. Today, I'm super stoked to invite in my fellow advocate, friend, author, and blogger, Kelly Aiello. Kelly is a contributor on The Mighty with an extensive portfolio of content surrounding mental health, including bipolar, depression, self-love and self-care, and more. She's passionate about sharing her struggles and triumphs of living with bipolar to help get the word out about what living with mental illness is truly like on a daily basis. On the podcast, Kelly and I discuss her life with bipolar, some of the common misdiagnoses that come with seeking treatment, the different types of bipolar, along with what advocacy means to her and the struggles of being an advocate when living with a mental illness. We cover all this and so much more, so let's jump right into the show and my conversation with Kelly Aiello. So hey, Kelly, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here today with us. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be on the show and great to talk to you again. Absolutely. You and I had connected originally on kind of a roundtable discussion uh, with our mutual friend, Becca. Um, so that, that that was a great time. And I'll be sure to put some links to that show in our show notes here. But I'm glad that you're here with me on Beyond Your Past. We're going to talk about all kinds of great stuff, a little bit about your story, some of what uh, being an advocate means to you, living with bipolar, all kinds of great stuff. So if it's OK with you, we can jump right into it. Let's do it. So yeah, why don't we start out a little bit and you can share some of what bipolar disorder is, what it means to you, and just kind of give everybody who's not sure some background about what exactly is bipolar disorder. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, Bipolar disorder actually falls under the categories in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that psychiatrists use to diagnose um, as a mood disorder. Um, So bipolar disorder, meaning two poles bipolar so it ranges all the way in one individual from um, major depressive episodes to mania Um, the thing about the bipolar disorders is that it's now being viewed as a bit of a spectrum like psych um schizophrenia or even autism um, because there's so many different variables that could be included in one individual with bipolar disorder. So there's, you know, bipolar one type one, which goes just the whole gambit. So you've got major depression all the way to mania, and you can have psychotic features on either side to bipolar two disorder, which is what I have. um, And that's major depression all the way to hypomania, which is just it's not full-blown mania, but it's hypo meaning under. It's under mania. Um, you can also have rapid cycling and you can have mixed bipolar episodes. So you can have both mania with depression. Um, it's a lot of fun, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, and it's important to get a proper diagnosis because it falling under the mood disorders categories, a lot of people, when they present to their GP or their psychiatrist, they'll be presenting with perhaps um, 
major depressive symptoms, specifically with bipolar type 2. Um, they don't actually necessarily would present to their GP with hypomania because it's not necessarily, it, it's not markedly noticeable. Um, it could just be you, you think somebody is very hyperactive, they talk very fast, and um, maybe are a little bit irresponsible in their decisions, their choices, that sort of thing. Um, so psychiatrists would then diagnose an individual with major depressive disorder, which is unipolar depression, still part of the mood disorders. But the treatment then ends up being specific to depression. But the problem with that is that they end up going on antidepressants. And if an individual actually has bipolar disorder, it can launch them into a full-blown manic um, manic episode. So it's really important to notice the symptoms and to get a thorough um, evaluation with respect to bipolar disorder. So that's kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And like, you know, that's enough, right? That's um, a lot. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's similar, I think, in some ways. Because you, you you had mentioned how there's kind of like different levels to it, so to speak, or and different parts, and that kind of goes along with the research that I had done with uh, dissociation. You know, you've got DID, and then you've got depersonalization, you've got derealization, you've got you know uh, dissociative amnesia, all these different types of things that all fall under a dissociative disorder. But you know, depending on who you are, and you know the symptoms that you present, and the trauma that you've endured, and all kinds of other factors, yes. you know, there could be one or more different parts that of, of dissociation that you have. And is that similar to bipolar in terms of you can have like one or more of these different like levels of it, so to speak, or is it usually once you get a firm proper diagnosis, it's, it's, it's normally one and not the others. Um, you can't, yes and no. Uh, with bipolar disorder, you cannot also be diagnosed with depression. You can't, be diagnosed with another mood disorder if you have bipolar disorder. <clears throat> but you're absolutely right. There are so many different um, mental disorders, mental illnesses, um, and psychiatric illnesses that are now, they're more of a spectrum. Like nobody fits into one pigeonhole. And that's also an issue with the DSM that um, it's very categorical, which means that we tend to categorize the symptoms and where's the cutoff threshold. So, you know, say with bipolar disorder, if you meet um, the the threshold, would I think it's like five out of the nine different symptoms that are listed. And if this individual only shows four of them or shows five of them, but not for the duration that the DSM says, are they still ill? Do they still require treatment? So there, it's more important to go with a dimensional approach, which means that um, you take it case by case, just like with you were saying with dissociation, um, you have to take it case by case. And, you know, because there's so many different um, origins of why people end up having these disorders, you know, it could be environmental, it could be genetic, it could be a mixture of the two, that you can't just treat everybody the same way. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a big struggle. I think that a lot of us, you know, who, who, who are advocates in, in the mental health world or who are, or who are survivors of trauma or live with some type of mental health challenge. You're right. Uh, the DSM um, tries to kind of categorize or uh, pigeonhole you into some certain, you know, criteria or diagnosis based on you have symptoms A, B, and C, but not D and E and not F, but maybe G. And then, well, you probably have this, 
but then there's symptoms of that, but you can't have this because of that. And it, it can be so confusing. It and is. I think, I, I think that's a big reason why so often people just get misdiagnosed because, you know, they may, they may present one way, but if you don't have all the facts or you, you don't have somebody who's knowledgeable in the area that you're trying to get help with, you could be going down a wrong treatment path for years and not even know it and end up, you know, just making yourself worse. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I don't know about in your case, Matt, but I know in my case, it took, I think it was 12, 15 years to get a proper diagnosis. And of course, I was on the wrong treatment, which was just sending me on, you know, the path to hell, basically. <laughs> but I think that's also part of what advocacy is really about is trying to get the information out there, the proper information, because the internet is full of misinformation. Um, the proper information out there so people can actually recognize signs in themselves in their loved ones and so that way they know to be able to get say okay so I'm seeing x y and z in my child or my partner or myself I think this might be indicative of this can we have a look and sometimes you really have to fight to get a diagnosis and if you have a mental illness you're already fighting just to you know keep your mind in check. So it's, it's quite difficult as I'm sure you are probably very aware. <laughs> yeah. I, I found it incredibly frustrating when I was working with a therapist and she had, you know, made mention that, you know, I likely have PTSD and complex trauma and dissociation. And, you know, I always tell people and I, I, you know, that when I first started learning about all of this, I didn't even know what, what dissociation was, you know, I, and I, and I had heard rumors of bipolar and, um, you know, I thought that PTSD was only for the military. Like I had all these misconceptions yeah. mainly because I just never researched it. I didn't mm -hmm. think it ever applied to me, but once you find out that it does, <clears throat> I was doing research left and right and trying to figure out what I had and didn't have. And I'm learning about association and all these anxiety disorders. I'm like, Oh my God, I've got all this stuff. And yeah. I, I actually freaked myself out, I think, for a while trying to figure out what I had because I'm like, well, I've got parts of this. I've got parts of that. I do this, but I don't do that. And maybe I have this. And I, I, I kind of went into this weird panic of, I think I have so many things that like I'm, I'm completely busted and like I'm never yeah. going to get help again. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's also a little bit of a problem, um, like Internet also being a bit to blame for that. But um, I don't know if you've noticed in being a mental health advocate, but there's also a little bit of um, an over pathologizing going on, too. So you're saying, you know, I'm doing this research on the Internet and I've got a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of that. Well, of course, we all do, because that's human nature. You know, mm -hmm. uh, having a little bit of anxiety is actually beneficial. If you think of evolutionary biology, you need to know not to do X, Y or Z because it's probably going to lead to your demise. So that little tiny bit is healthy, but when it starts to become, um, it's detrimental to your, your functioning. If you're not functioning properly in your daily life, you know that that's a problem. But I think a lot of people don't understand that again, because there's not the information out there and, you know, treatment providers are not, not very, in my experience, not extremely forthcoming with what the information that we really need. Like, we got to live with this. Can you please? I'd like more than a pamphlet. <laughs> you <know? laughs> you're right. I mean, and plus, then you try and research yourself and you've got all this information and you're going, you know, just bonkers trying to figure out, you know, trying, trying to diagnose yourself. And then you get overwhelmed and then mm -hmm. you seek out help. And you don't get answers. And it's just this huge cycle of just frustration. And you're right. It's so common for people to 
to go from practitioner to practitioner, this medication, that medication, this didn't help, that doesn't work. And you spend years spending, you know, wasting all kinds of time and money and, you know, not getting any better, oftentimes getting worse. And you're just frustrated with the whole situation. And then you go and try and help yourself and then you get frustrated again. So I think it's, it's a very common thing when you're trying to just help yourself understand what you have. And then you you go into the world of, of trying to get actual help. And then you have to navigate that of trying to find somebody who's knowledgeable in that area. And can you get access to them and can you afford them? And are they reputable? And, you know, are you going to connect with them on like, you know, a good level? I mean, my God. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're an advocate and maybe talk a little bit about what it's like being an advocate for, for mental health challenges for, for bipolar and really kind of living with a serious mental illness while, while you're trying to advocate for something that, that you struggle with every day. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of aspects to being an advocate. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, and I think it's wonderful. They're advocates because they have a loved one with a serious mental illness. And that's, I feel like we need more of those people because if you actually live with a serious mental illness, it's, it comes part and parcel with it is that you are not consistent. Sometimes I cannot be reliable simply because I don't know when my next bad day is going to be, or I could, because of hypomania, I could be taking on way too much and then all of a sudden become overwhelmed because I, I think I'm superwoman a wonder woman. There's no superwoman. Um, so yeah, it's it's quite difficult in that respect. So I kind of, um, I fell into advocacy through my writing because um, I found I could do it when I felt okay to do it. Um, but being able to like join organizations, there's some fantastic organizations that I know of that do just wonderful work for trying to educate um, a mental health awareness as well as try and change legislation in Canada. I don't know what kind of organizations there are down in Pennsylvania, but um, I found anytime I volunteered with those groups, I found it very difficult to be able to stick with it because I'm, I'm not well, that's it. That's, that's my life, you know? And the more I try and push something that I can't do, the worse I make myself. Um, so I kind of, I hit a bit of a wall with that over the last few years and I felt very frustrated and I felt like I can't even do this, you know? Um, so then I actually realized, well, you know, there's something else that I can do is that I can advocate on my own about my own experience through my writing. And that's what I've been doing. And it's amazing the amount of people who they're sitting behind their computers, they're alone, they're at home, you know, they're in their pajamas and they feel like, you know, they, they've, they've hit a wall and they don't know where to go from here. And that if they read you know, my experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I think it's important to include all of that in the information that I give. Um, I think it it's really helped some people that I found because they're like, well, that's me. You know, I, I talk about the, the really ugly, uncomfortable, and they're like, that's me. I never knew there was someone else like that out there. This is normal then. Yes, you, there's nothing wrong with you. You are wonderful. You have an illness and this is what it looks like. So that's kind of like, how I've been doing it. <laughs> yeah. You and I are very similar in that yeah. we started out with writing. Um, you know, writing was a huge outlet for me. I used to journal when I was working with a therapist and I, I would come home from, from, from a, a therapy session and just write and write and write and write and write. And then I started taking my story, um, you know, online 
and started a blog and started writing. And I used the writing and still do as a tool because you're right. You can do it whenever you feel like it. You can do it when you're able to. It's on your own time. And you can share yourself in a way that really reaches others in such a raw, passionate, vulnerable way that's, that is unique to you. And that's, that's one of the things about being an advocate is you really have to be okay with talking about your junk, you know, yeah. talking about all the bad stuff, all the horrible days, all the, all the, all the days when you struggle. And, you know, if, you know, I've, I've written a lot and my stories are like all over the internet about uh, all over the internet about being a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and narcissistic abuse and bullying and, you know, all, all, all this childhood trauma stuff. And like, nobody wants to admit that, but yeah. it, when I first uh, came out about it, so to speak, and started writing when, and, and I'm sure you found this too, because you're writing on the mighty and, and, and the blogging and stuff is that when you actually become vulnerable and start talking about all the deep, dark, bad stuff that happens in your life and all the, all the struggles you deal with, you suddenly find that there's a whole lot of people who are just agreeing with you. Like you said, yeah, that's me. I know what that feels like. And you, I found that really that writing opened up the door for me into this world of advocacy, into really just realizing that I wasn't alone and that somebody out there else, else out there was feeling the exact same way that I was and relating to all the stuff that I wrote. Let's take a quick break and then we'll jump right back into the conversation with Kelly. How you doing, my friend? This is Matt, your host right here on Beyond Your Past a podcast all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. If you enjoy these shows, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. I would so appreciate it. Feel free also to contact me anytime. You can do so via my website, beyondyourpast.com. I'd love to hear from you. And now let's get back to the show. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. Um, cool. Yeah, and that's a bit of the problem that I have with, with some of the advocacy groups is that you know, while they're doing a fantastic job and I don't want them to stop is that I, I felt like I needed to tell everything. And some of the stories that not stories, but um, some of the messages that I have to tell is not pretty. It's, it's pretty, some of it's kind of scary, um, suicidal ideations, what it's like in a psychotic episode. Um, and people need to hear that. I think particularly people who are in the midst of it, because it's a scary thing to be there and to go, am I the only one? I really must be off my rocker. Um, And I found when I started reading about some other people's stories that it helped me. So when I put that out there, I found it, it was beneficial for both myself as well as as a lot of other people who were reading this information. Um, but also like you too, Matt, and I have to applaud you. I think you're, I've read some of your blogs and I think you're, you're such a brave person. And I know we hear that all the time, but I too am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And for about 20 years, I lived with that dark cloud over me. It was my dirty, dark secret. And I didn't want anybody to know. And as soon as I put it out there, um, it was so scary. I was terrified to tell anybody about it and then I wrote about it and and the response was just phenomenal I had such a positive response from that and some people um from all like halfway around the world would say that happened to me what do I do you know and I think it it's kind of I feel like it's a bit of my responsibility and I I feel like you would also feel the same way that because I've put it out there once, I need to keep doing this. This is no longer just my story. You know what I mean? 
Oh, you are you are so spot on in everything you said. And the one thing I wanted to to mention too was you had said about how when you were working with 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 some advocates, excuse me, when you were working with some advocacy groups, and you were kind of discouraged from sharing what it is that that you struggled with. I mean, the reality is when you when you are a a trauma survivor or you live with some type of mental health challenge because of any because of you know whatever whatever circumstances there is it isn't pretty like it's ugly and it's tough and it's and it's nasty and it's a pain in the butt and you know you struggle and you get frustrated and you get angry and you're confused and all these emotions and to sit here and just kind of paint mental health as you know oh you know we're doing all this research and we're doing good things and everybody matters and all this kind of like you're all you're you're painting it i mean not you but it's like people in general Sometimes when you get to like certain organizations, they paint it with such a brush that that depicts it as, you know, yeah, there's some struggles, but there's all these really good things that we're doing. But the reality is, you know, those of us who want to 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 donate our time or join these organizations to get help for ourselves or whatever, we come there and we have all these all the stuff we struggle with. But then you're like, well, no, you know, you better not say that because we don't want to say anything that's too wrong or it's too ugly or it's too depressing or it's too sad. I'm like, this is the reality of being a survivor. This is the reality of living with bipolar, living with association, living with DID, living with an, and, and eating disorder, living with whatever it is that you have. And it's ugly and it's not pretty. And for any, any time that someone discourages a survivor from sharing their struggles, like it just, it makes me upset and it makes me feel bad for how far we still have to go. Like it just, you know, because we're all reaching out to these organizations for help and we're, you know, trying to do our part. And then, you know, we're almost kind of scolded for, for struggling sometimes. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that one, Matt. Um, I've heard, you know, the words, let's put a positive spin on it. And I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to take a selfie the next time or get my husband to record the next time I am actually having a complete breakdown because you know, I dissociate when I get so bad. I, I dissociate my emotions. It's like, I call it going down the rabbit hole. I cannot stop myself and I will forget what actually happens. And it's terrifying. And I'm medicated. I go to therapy. I practice yoga. I eat properly and it's still going to happen. So this is the reality. And, you know, if we, we try and hide that or sugarcoat it, there's other people out there young people too I can't even imagine what some of these teenagers must go through and they're experiencing something like this and they're going it's only me I am a freak there's something wrong with me and then they their thoughts they just start tumbling around and heaven forbid they should start thinking about suicide because that is not what we want to have happen do you know what I'm saying well, yeah, you're you're exactly right, and I think you know there there are certain aspects of mental health, obviously, that get more, I don't want to say like press or publicity, and it's kind of more of the acceptable things to talk about. You know, suicide prevention is something that everybody's all about, and yeah. you know, eating disorders is something that everybody's all about, but nobody really wants to talk about the bipolar, and you know, when somebody's dissociating because they're in the middle of some type of major panic attack, or you know, or or anything that comes that's really not just of the mainstream mental health category. So the stuff that you write about and being an advocate and, you know, kind of just being real and being honest, like the world needs so many more people just like you who are going to keep writing and keep talking and keep advocating and using your voice to help inspire and, and to encourage people who 
who don't have a voice and who are afraid to speak up or can't speak up or are just now learning about a traumatic past and trying to figure out what a survivor is and why they feel the way they do. And where does this depression come from? And, you know, all this, all this, everything that comes with being a survivor and all the different um, mental health challenges that, that survivors live with. I just, I love what you're doing, you know, your articles on the mighty and your work as an advocate is uh, just incredible. And I'm so grateful anytime I get a chance to talk to somebody on the podcast who just really gets it and, you know, gets the deep down dirty, ugly parts of what being a survivor is with, you know, is like to live with every day. Oh, thank you so much, Matt. That goes right to my heart. And I got to throw it all right back at you because you do amazing things. There's, you know, such a community that I found, you know, between you and uh, Rebecca and Joe and Rudy and Hannah that I just like, it's it's this community and it just keeps growing and growing and everybody's so supportive of one another. Plus it's like, it's like we can get together virtually and say, let me tell you about the ugly today. <laughs> you right? know? It helps. It really, really does. And it just keeps growing. And I, I'm really appreciative of that. Yeah, I am too. I'm honored to be in this community of survivors. I'm honored to do the work that I do. And I um, appreciate the kind words that you mentioned about the blog and podcast, because it is, it is, it is a labor of love. Of, of love. It's something that we do because we have a heart for survivors. We have a heart for getting the word out there for, for talking about the stuff that nobody wants to talk about. Um, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of guts and a lot of courage, a lot of, um, you know, just, just putting yourself out there and, and in a way that is just open and raw and it's just amazing. And I have the utmost respect for everyone who's a survivor, everybody who just finds a way to get up every morning, you know, I mean, cause sometimes that's a struggle in and of itself, as I'm sure, you know, um, yeah. yeah, really. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so let's kind of talk about a little bit, some of the things that you do in your journey to, to kind of help yourself along the way, you know, um, you know, as far as you mentioned the healthy eating and, you know, mm-hmm. having, you know, being in a, um, being married to a husband who understands what it's like and mm-hmm. maybe share some of your strategies, tips, insight that you can give somebody um, you know, who's also struggling with, with, with bipolar or any type of mental health challenge. Yeah, I think, um, this definitely falls under the whole umbrella of mental health challenge. Um, first and foremost, you can't do it alone. You just, you can't, whether that be, you know, find a really good GP, a therapist, a friend, um, and, you know, Twitter's got lots of people who are, like you, that's where we met, Matt, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) people like that. Um, And also to be able to to bounce ideas off of and, you know, is this normal? And um, so you can't do it alone. And that was the one thing that I was trying to do for years and years and years, because I was ashamed, of course. Um, But yeah, my husband is, I blow my mind. (laughs) He's amazing. Um, It also doesn't hurt that he's a personal trainer. Um, and he also has uh, his older brother is on the ASD spectrum with bipolar one. So he has a little bit of experience with this as well. Um, but when I'm having my really bad days, he's like, OK, I'm going to take care of food for you because you need to eat properly. And that's so important. If we're struggling alone and we're going through a bad episode, what's the first thing that we ignore? It's our eating, it's our hygiene, it's um, opening the drapes to see the sunshine. So if you have somebody else in your life who can help you with that, and I realize that not everybody does, 
But if you do, you need to be able to reach out to them. They won't always know. So I could even just say, my husband's name is Yuli. I could even just say, Yuli, I need food. I can't do it myself. And he'll understand. And he knows it's not a lazy thing. Um, so he helps with those sorts of things. Um, sometimes with bipolar disorder, I also get a lot of anxiety as well. Um, and I have PTSD too. So that's a joy. Um, I get a lot of anxiety. I get a lot of depression, a lot of um, negative self-talk, as well as I live with suicidal ideation. I do. Um, he helps me structure my days so that way I don't Netflix all day and then feel horrible about myself at the end of the day. Um, but a small schedule, um, make it light enough. Even if you do this on your own, just say, okay, I'm going to get up at nine o'clock. And even if I can't sleep the night before, if you sleep all day, you're still not going to be able to sleep the next night. So I'm going to get up at nine o'clock and that's going to be a win. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to have a shower and I'm going to take my time in the shower and I'm going to care for myself. These small things really help and they're so hard to do if you're if you're in a bad episode, whether it's, you know, you're in a, a manic episode or if you're dissociative episode or depressive episode, they're so hard. And that's where it comes back to you have to be able to reach out for help. You just you cannot do it alone. Would you struggle with cancer alone? Would you struggle with diabetes alone? You probably wouldn't. If you broke your leg, would you be able to do everything alone? No. So this kind of makes sense too. And I think that there's also communities out there who would be able to help you and, you know, check in with you too, even if it's Twitter, right? Oh, absolutely. I found so much help on Twitter. When I first realized I was a survivor, I reached out on Twitter and I, I just started searching the hashtag you know, mental health or, or, you know, I found like the uh, PTSD chat or, you know, all, all kinds of online chats on Twitter where people are coming together and sharing their stories and strategies and their struggles and their triumphs. And a lot of, uh, of survivors who do have, uh, perhaps it's a caregiver or, or they live with a family member or a spouse or somebody who can help them. And of course, you know, having that, having that person in your corner is, is incredibly helpful. And for those that don't, um, you know, those who are single or, you know, just or or live in, in, in a situation where the partner, the spouse, the family members don't get it. And so mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of on an island and you're right. That's where taking the time to advocate for yourself and put things in place to help you on the days that you do struggle. So, you know, like you mentioned, uh, putting together a schedule to to wake up at a certain time and to shower and to go for a walk and to make sure that you eat at least something and just Take time, you know, to embrace that and to mark it as a win and and to give yourself props for, for getting out of bed, for getting dressed, for getting a shower, for going to the store, for getting food, for for reaching out for help and just empowering yourself if you're in, in a position where there's nobody but you around and you have to do a lot of this, you know, by yourself, unfortunately, sometimes, um, you know, aside from reaching out for help online, which is incredibly amazing the times when you are alone and, and, you know, plan ahead for those times to be able to, to know that you, you can put a schedule in place to help yourself get some things done and, and, and just take care of yourself. You're right. I mean, the simple act of getting up and getting a shower 
and and you know just getting dressed is a win and and something that you, you should celebrate, especially on a day when you can barely even like roll over to get out of bed, much less get out of bed. Yeah, totally. And that's, you know, all falls under the gambit of self-care. Um, and also the thing with self-care too, which I, I find I struggle with the most is that self-care and self-love kind of come hand in hand. And when you're struggling with a mental illness or PTSD, you know, uh, and particularly as a survivor of um, childhood trauma, it's very hard to find that self-love. So I just kind of remind myself of certain things that make me feel wholesomely happy. Um, So I buy, you know, some dark chocolate or I'll give myself two Netflix shows, um, you know, something fun. And I like to watch Once Upon a Time because it's just, you know, Snow White. You know, how can you complain? Right. Right. Um, Yeah. But it's it's about self-care. I'll. You know, here's some TMI. I'll go buy some new razor blades and I'll give my legs a good shave. And let me tell you how much that makes me feel better, <laughs> especially <laughs> if you're going through a depressive episode. You know, it's right. things like that, you know, and just throw your your face in the sunshine and literally and figuratively really help. And just learn to say to yourself, you know, fake it till you make it. I love myself. I deserve this. I'm here. I'm here today. That's amazing you know? Yep. Yep. I'm here today and that's enough. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, we are enough just the way we are and whether we have those, you know, those really tough days and we have to figure out a way to struggle and kind of muddle through it to get through the next day. That's okay. Because the fact that we didn't give up is enough of a win in and of itself. So you're right. Self-care, just incredibly important. Anything you can do to help yourself feel better, to feel like you're somewhat I, I hate using the word normal because it just it, it's bad. But you know, would anything that that you can do to yourself to help yourself feel good yeah. about anything, any win throughout the day is always just incredibly important. So yeah, uh, yeah, you're, you're you're so right. Um, every little win counts. Celebrate it, embrace it, because you know some days that's all you got, and that's okay. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So why, why why don't we wrap this up a little bit? You can share. Mm-hmm. Uh, some more about your writing, where where people can find you, and uh, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Yeah, well, I'm always excited to tell everybody about my writing. Um, yeah, bring it on. on. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the Mighty um, Kelly Aiello on the Mighty. Just Google me. Um, I also have Twitter. You can find me there. I've got lots of writing and mental health information. It's at Kelly C Nun, like C Nun here Nun. Um, and also I'm on Instagram. I can't remember my hashtag. I think it's Kelly J I yellow. I also have a Facebook uh, site. It's Kelly J I yellow. Um, uh, yeah. And my writing, I actually just finished the second draft of my novel, which um, awesome. focuses. Yeah, I'm so, Oh my God. That took so long. <laughs> so right? much effort. Um, it's about a, a young woman who has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but is also trying to overcome her past of childhood sexual abuse. So it's um, it was a hard one to write, but I hope you know people get to read it, and I hope it does resonate and tell the truth of what it's really like. You know, I would love to bring you back on the show to talk mm-hmm. some more about bipolar and your journey, but also about yeah. the book because yeah, you're, well, I mean, when you when you can sit down and, and take the time to write a book, you know, about your life story or, or about advocacy in some way, or really, really put it out there in a way that people can connect in a book. Like I just have the utmost respect for you to be able to do it. I've been working on my book for 
long enough now that I'm not going to say how long, but it's still <laughs> in the works. But I definitely want to bring you back once once the book is ready to go, because I think it's going to be amazing. Oh, I'd love to come back. Every writer loves talking about their writing. So. I know, right? <laughs> We're a little narcissistic that way. Right? Yeah, we are. <laughs> it's all good. But yeah, Kelly, this has been awesome. I'm so glad that that you came on the show. I can't wait to do it again. And I will um, be sure to put the links to all of your social media and to your stuff on the mighty in the show notes and in the blog post. So thanks again, Kelly. This has been incredible, my friend, and I can't wait to do it again. Thanks so much, Matt. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast should not be considered as a substitute for professional medical help or mental health counseling. If you've ever considered working with a certified coach, or if you simply have questions about how working with a coach can benefit you, just head on over to beyondyourpast.com for more information and to schedule your free introductory session. We'll work together to figure out what's holding you back so that you can realize your full potential and discover the authentic you. Remember, you are worth it. Achieving your goals and waking up each day knowing that you can handle what's coming and thrive is something that everyone deserves. So take that first step and contact me today and let's do this. Talk to you soon.